Okay, with Jay Brown, Christian Morris is the winning screenplay. Uh, really good chance to talk to him, but I got to talk to you about something first because we got to get this conflict out of the way. In the written blog, you said you're a diehard Yankee fan. Is that right? <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, we got. We already have a problem before we start because I'm a, I'm a well, gigantic I, baseball fan. I'm a huge. I'm from Toronto. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a diehard uh, Jays fan. And the Yankees are always a team that I root against. I Sometimes I'd rather see the Yankees lose and the Blue Jays win. That's how much I despise that team. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> and, you know, I have a, uh, a record as far as I've been, I've been to Yankee Stadium 20 times in my whole life. The new one or the old, both of them combined? Well, both of them. Okay. And they never lost since I've been to the stadium. So it's a record that I look so you're 20 and oh. Huh? You're 20 and oh. 20 and oh, yes. You know that's almost mathematically impossible the way I know. played. I know. Never lost. That is crazy. Uh so like so I went to I went to Yankee Stadium, uh, went to Monument Park. Um it was it was a cool, it was a pretty cool stadium. I like the Met Stadium better. I don't know if those are bad words. Really? Yeah, I do, because it's it's more of a ballpark. The 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 Yankee Stadium is more is more of a shrine. It's more it of a is shrine. a shrine. It's like a museum to the best team ever. <laughs> but yes. I got a I got a problem with the with your uh, your left field wall there. I was I was sitting there and the and the right field uh, uh, bleachers, and I'm right. like, this is like I can hit this ball out of the park. It's like it's like sure. a league park. Yes, it has its flaws, and I think that is one of the flaws of the stadium. But look, if you can hit that way, you can get it out the park. So be it. Okay. All kidding aside, like I do not like the Yankees, but I like, but I, I like rooting. It's like I like them being my enemy. I like, I like watching them play so I can root against them. If that makes any sense. It does. It does. But you know, it to each his own. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's let's hopefully it's going to be a pretty good pen race. I know they're ahead right now as per this podcast, but we've got a pretty great team in the next few years. I don't know if you're paying attention, but our Blue Jays are coming up. Well, I wish them the best. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what their record is. I just follow the Yankees. So if they they're, win... they're they're like I think they're like six games back. They're second. Point. Okay. Okay. They're, they have we, a chance. We're gonna play them about 12 more times this year. So awesome. Awesome. Okay. So well, think of me when the, when they're playing the Blue Jays. But let's get I'll to your screenplay, that. Christian Morris. So this is kind of I call the call this kind of a throwback screenplay where you don't really see these films anymore, these type of dramas anymore. Is would you agree with that? I would definitely agree with it. Um, you really don't see screenplays written like this. It's it's uh, it's it's a little different. It's a little different. So, where was your inspiration to to write this story between the, these two best friends? Well, you know, I always kept this story in my heart for a long time. Um, I was in the military, so I was in the army. And I had a, a friend of mine, he was, you know, he was, I say he's bisexual and he ended up catching the virus. Mm -hmm. And from the moment he caught the virus until the day he got out the military, he it was a lot of blowback for him. And I've always thought to myself, well, did he tell these people he slept with? Has there been any kind of communication between him and the, the many people that he has slept with? So that story always uh, has always been in me as far as uh, a good story. 
So I thought I would just bring it to uh, bring it to fruition. So what do you think? What do you think that he did? Think he told people, or or he just was. You know, he was outspoken. So I'm thinking, and again, looking back some 20 or 30 years ago, I'm thinking that he probably did, but nobody really knows. Uh, is it safe to say he's kind of he was kind of an outlier in the in the army? The way you describe him doesn't seem like an army person. <laughs> well, <laughs> Nobody really seems like an army person. Yeah, uh, I know. I guess that's like a, maybe it's the cliche of what I see in media. Yeah, tough see. army guys, and yeah. and you know, but look, outspoken is more of the term. Like someone usually you stick in line. You like you 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 obey your superiors. I guess right? exactly. And he did a lot of that. He was a sergeant, so he did uh, lead troops. But again, it has its negative and its positive. Um, being a leader of troops and and. And being in a in a you know a authority figure, it's a little it's a little cutting edge. And uh, this particular person, he like I said, he he I don't know how he did it. Really, it it was really weird to see it because when you see him in uniform, it's different than seeing him out of uniform. Yeah. And Really, you know, nobody knew, you know, a handful of people knew his, uh, his, uh, I don't know what to call it, his, his uh, sexual uh, uh, title, I mean, being gay or being straight or bisexual. Yes. So, again, it was a little different, and especially with 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 the military back then, it was a little complicated especially coming out so he had to keep it in my opinion very discreet this is not the 1990s right correct this is the, early 1990s yes so this is like the clinton don't ask don't tell uh this is correct yes yeah. which was yeah. kind of silly in hindsight in hindsight yes it was so this is yeah so this is not the modern age that we're in now like oh there's still a long way to go with with gay rights and, and LGBTQ rights, but back in the '90s, like it wasn't what it is now, I guess, right? That is correct. Yes. So, okay. So, how long were you in the in the military for? Fifteen years. An honorable discharge. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so, why would made you leave? What made you leave? Well, the military was changing. It was a lot of uh, um, politics. Um, I was going through a serious breakup with my relationship and I just didn't have the heart for it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I decided to get out. And what I think year, I did. What year was that? Hmm? What year was that? 1996. So you got out like just before they, they deployed to the Middle East, I guess, right? Well, this is way before the Middle East. Um, with my particular job, I... I, I really didn't see any combat. Mm. Um, I saw, because ve- I was a, a vehicle mechanic. So okay. I worked on a lot of vehicles. So I had the vehicles come to me and I was always in the rear where the vehicle showed up where I've had to fix them and then we send them back out to the field. So it was a little different uh, than going to war. I was, uh, um, we are in the Middle East at that time. I think we are in Iraq at that time. So, um, you know, I didn't deploy, but we had our unit deployed. 
Gotcha. And, and so are you a mechanic now? No, no, I'm IT. I'm IT. IT. Okay, so yeah, you, 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 you left in 96. So when did you start writing screenplays? I started writing screenplays the beginning of 2000. I had a lot of, uh, um, a lot of stuff in my head that I had to get out. So the first screenplay I wrote was probably the, uh, the summer of, of 2002 is when I wrote, when I actually put it on paper. And what, like, the, why screenplays? Like, is this something that you are love with, you're in love with movies or? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yes, I, even I, I was growing up, I, uh, I was a lot key kid. So I, I well, they had latchkey, lockkey, but I was always in the house. So all I had was my TV latchkey, and yeah. latchkey. So I had my, my, my TV and I had my, um, my imagination. So I wrote my first, uh, not script, it was a, a kind of like a cartoon series when I was in the fifth grade. And then, you know, I kept all this stuff, you know, when you, when you, when you meet a lot of people, you, you harness a lot of, of stories, mm -hmm. stories from my father and my mom and my grandparents. And one day I decided, look, I can do better than what I was seeing on TV. So I decided to put it on paper and, you know, do it myself. It took me a minute. Um, I didn't go to school for it, so a lot of I a lot of stuff I learned came from books. Came you had to learn, you had to know the structure, I guess, right? Yes, yes. I mean, I read a lot of books on screenwriting. Yeah, and and uh, it, like I said, I had to put it on paper. So I was I there. Is, was there a script that that uh, book that stands out for you? That do you remember when that you wrote read? Uh, not really. A lot of the a lot of the things that I I I've written has been original, but if I had to pick a couple of uh, uh, how I want my screenplays to be structured, it would probably be like the Star Wars saga, saga or it would probably be something like uh, um, The Godfather, things of that nature. You know, books that I really, really love, enjoy reading. Gotcha, okay, so you're, you're a logical kid, so you're an only child. I'm assuming, and then you just had time at home. After. No, I have a sister. I have two sisters and a brother. Okay. So we, like I said, we come from school. We do our homework, and we turn the TV on, and we just watch TV until like eight o'clock, and then we go to bed. And your parents yeah, were working. Brother. Your parents were working then. Yes, my parents. My my mom was a postal worker. Oh wow! And my dad was a manager at Burger King. Okay. Yes. So you would work at nighttime and then so you would have the yes. home to the kid, the children would have the home like so you so you so TV was a big influence in your life. And then so you it, it was. It was. You joined the military and then you got you came out and basically got a got a job and then but this is something you you can't scratch, I guess. You gotta keep writing screenplays. Um you know, I only write when it when I get a good suggestion, for example, I just finished a screenplay and this is something that my wife pitched to me. And 
she told me the premise. I started to jot it down. And the next thing you know it, I had 117 pages of, 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 of dialogue. So it, if it hits me, I write about it. If I see something and it's very, you know, it gets to me or if it's emotional, I'll write about it. So it just comes and goes. So you're, you write on, on um, inspiration, I guess, right? Yes, that is true. That is correct. And what, so what, so this is something, this is a story that you just can't, you, I know your, your friend died over, over 20 years ago, but it's just something that stays with you, I guess. You had a, you, you were inspired to write yes. about it. Um, you know, a lot of the story is embellished. Um, and his character was, was something that, that uh, I took a little bit of his character but the majority of the story is embellished between the two, uh, the two best friends. And uh, so I just made the story around him, so to speak. Is the, is the other character you, I'm assuming? No, the character's made up. So yeah. the other character is just, you know, just a, just a guy, just a friend that he thought was his best friend. And he decided to, uh, um, once their dad died, and I'm sure you, you've read the story, so you know about it. Once their dad dies, it's, it's, uh, it's very troublesome because he finds out that Christian Morris is his biological brother. So then the story takes, takes flight from there. Now he, he finds out that Christian is dying and he has to go and be with him on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know if Christian knows or not. He's afraid to tell Christian the truth because Christian's father abandoned him many years ago and he doesn't want to upset him on his deathbed. So that's how the story happened. And and there's so many changes to the story. I finally got the final draft when I, you know, I was just sitting up and I kept going back to the story kept trying to figure it out and finally it hit me and what you read today is the finished product yeah that's so interesting yeah because it's a quandary right like how when someone's dying like how truthful can you see like i've been there before where like you're like you got something to say to somebody you know they got a few days left and it's like do i just bring this up or is it about me is it like so you have to like you have to like put your ego in check right it's like yes is this about me or is this about you or this is just just about nothing? So I kind of regret it. Like for me personally, I remember I wish I, I wish I did say something in hindsight, but I guess I in the moment I didn't because I felt that they didn't. I, it was I didn't know because it's so it's so interesting death, right? Like not like you know what I mean by that, meaning that like because you don't know what's going to happen. So you don't, you know what I mean? Like, so you don't know how much what someone, I think I, I would, I would, I would want to know myself. If that makes sense. Like I would, if, the, you, if I'm in your story, I would want to know that the, the, this person in history before I die. Well, it's funny because the majority of the people who read the story says, I don't want to know. Yeah. I would rather die knowing that we were best friends than dying knowing that my father went down the street and found another family yeah. and moved in. So it's it's a little catch-22. 
Yeah, no, but I, it's like, I, I get it, but it's like, I'd rather know, I think the truth is what we're here for, but I guess it's your ideology, right? Like, I think that yes. we're here for the truth. Like, so yes. I don't, I don't want to go die knowing a lie. That's basically, but that's me, I guess. Well, I, I, I feel the same way as you. Yeah. I, I would, I would rather die. Well, me, I would rather die knowing the truth. If, if we were brothers and we grew up as best friends and something happened and you know something that I don't know, I rather know yeah. than to go to my grave not knowing. Yeah, exactly. I believe the same, I'm the same way, but I guess you're saying that most people disagree with us. Yes, a lot of people disagree. They don't want to know. Hmm. No, it's yeah. interesting. It's like, it's interesting about what, what people, what people believe in, what they want, what they think about life, what, like what their ideology is, like what their purpose is, I guess. And so they, maybe ignorance is bliss. Who knows? Maybe they're right. But I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I do as well. Because there's so much ignorance and like falsehoods and like crap out there. It's like, I just like, you know, but then again, the truth is subjective as well. Right. But this is like, I think I just believe in that. That's, that's my opinion, I guess. Yeah, so I you, agree. You brought up a good, you brought up a good, it's a good moral question to have to ask, like say when this is made into a film, that's the question that's, that brings up a, a debate between people, right? And that usually brings up, a, people want to see the movie, I guess, right? Well, there's a lot of different, this story affects people differently. You know, you have some people that, that are very promiscuous as Christian Morris was, who has a family, who, who doesn't really care about, you know, who they sleep with, yeah. as long as they sleep with somebody. And unfortunately, things didn't go right. Yeah. And he, you know, and you, it's, it's the consequences you make when you do things like that. And it not only affects you, but it affects your family and your friends and the people around you. So yeah, it's, 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 a, it's very difficult. It was a very difficult story to write because I had to get into the mind of, of a person like Christian. And you called him Christian. That's like, a, that's done on purpose, I guess, right? It's just a made up name. Yeah. No, but you know what I mean? Like the word Christian has, has a religious. Well, <laughs> you know, I never thought of, I never thought of that. Um, I just thought the name Christian was, was a, was a good name. I never thought it had any religious, you know, um, uh, uh, any religious meaning to it. Okay. But that's like, but Christian Morris is such an interesting name because it's very generic, but it's also like, he's obviously, you know, a Christian. <laughs> His name is Christian, right? So. Right. Right. That's a very big uh, coincidence. Okay. Well, I guess some, there, maybe they say there's no coincidences. Maybe it's a subconscious for you, right? Pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah. So it seems like it's, like I said, it's like almost like a throwback. Like we, 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 we wish we could see films like this on the screen, but we kind of don't anymore, right? Well, I, I hope to see more stories like this told. Um, you know, Hollywood is, is very, very crazy. You, you, you see a lot of the same stuff pumped out over and over again, and there's no original concepts anywhere. And you would hope that Hollywood would, would be more original. 
Yeah. And yeah, these stories and other stories like Christian Morris and other independent writers, you know, they need to get their original concepts out as well. So yeah, I would love to see more stories like this told. I think it's happening in television a little bit, but it's those televisions more about a thriller or a twist and there's some sort of like, it's like, it's like mixing genres, I guess. Right. But you don't really yes. see a, a concise two hour drama anymore. Right. So that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of like the, the I guess things boomerang around, I guess. Right. They, they come and sit uh, so they're so the silical. They're like, what do you know what I mean? What like, it's like fashion, whatever is like out of style, out of style becomes in style eventually comes back again. Right. So, right. So maybe your script will be the same. Well, I wish you the best. I think we're going to do some, a script movie uh, about it and uh, we're looking forward to doing it. And I think there's some greatness in, uh, in this script and I wish you the best and then congratulations on your victory. I hope it's doing, it's serving you well in other contests and other festivals. Well, as I said before, it's the first time I've, I really won anything, you know, and I still don't even know what I won, but I, you know, you it's the first time I was huh? reading. Yes, I got my reading and it's the first time I've been recognized. So I want to thank you. I want to thank your organization. and. You know, to the viewers who see this, hey, put your stuff out there, put your scripts out there, and, you know, you will prevail. All right, thank you. Christian Morris. Back to Interior, Christian's Hospital Room, resuming. Dominic snaps out of the memory. He places the photo back down on the table. Christian slowly wakes up. His piercing, hazel eyes look up at him. Hey, buddy. It's me, Dominic. Christian smiles at Dominic. He's very weak and not speaking. He coughs and tries to catch his breath. Christian tries to raise his weak hand to cover his mouth. Dominic grabs two surgical gloves and takes Christian's other hand and holds it tightly. Hey, buddy. I got Wendy's message. How you feeling? Dominic clenches his jaw and shifts his focus away for a beat. Sorry, man. Stupid-ass question. I've been working nonstop since my divorce. Gotta live on the road now because Patricia's killing me with child support. Christian nods his head in agreement. My pops died. He had a stroke while mowing the lawn. It was fast, and I don't think he suffered. And I should have told you earlier, but it's been hectic trying to get his affairs in order. He was a very complicated man. The girls are fine and healthy. Just trying to make it. Christian coughs louder. His hand trembles as he pulls down the breathing mask from his face. He mumbles incoherently and directs his finger towards the drawer of the stand. I... 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 What? Look in. Dominic looks down and opens one of the nightstand drawers and pulls out a large spiral notebook. He opens the notebook and looks at the filled pages. Christian pulls down his oxygen mask and mumbles again. Read. Understand? Yes, yes, I understand. Dominic opens the notebook to page one and reads Christian's finely printed words out loud. It's hard to put this on paper, what I'm feeling now, knowing that I'm slowly dying. As I write my thoughts, it's been over a year since my initial diagnosis. Cheryl and I are very distant. To be honest, she hates me for what I did to her, and we haven't spoken since Alicia was born. 
I really fucked up this time. Christian, what did you do? Dominic keeps reading. Nothing can ever prepare you for getting bad news. I always thought I was lucky. Getting through the abandonment by my father to getting molested as a child by a friend of my mother. But nothing can never compare you for what I was about to experience. Christian starts coughing and slowly covers his mouth. Dominic puts on some latex gloves and wipes Christian's mouth, staining the gloves with blood. Sounds like you have pneumonia. I hear it in your cough. What are they giving you? Christian shakes his head. Dominic leaves the room in a hurry. Interior, nurse's station, continuous. Dominic approaches the nurse's station. Nurse Winters is on the phone and filling out a shift report log. Excuse me, nurse? Nurse Winters pauses talking and looks up at him. I'll call you back later. Yes, sir? Why is Mr. Norris in 1012 not receiving anything for his cough? He's in pain and coughing up blood. Sorry, we can't give him anything. Dominic walks closer to the counter and looks down at her. I didn't formally introduce myself to you earlier. I'm Dr. Dominic Rhodes from the New York University Medical Center. I'm not asking you to break any HIPAA rules, but may I please speak with Mr. Morris's attending? Unfortunately, his treating physician, Dr. Samuel, will not be in for another hour, but I assure you we are making Mr. Morris as comfortable as possible. Mr. Morris did list you as his next of kin, so no HIPAA rules are affected. Dominic sighs and nods. As you're well aware, Dr. Rhodes, AIDS severely attacks the immune system, and unfortunately, Mr. Morris is in the final stages. AIDS? I'm sorry, you didn't know? No. I knew he was dying, but... Doctor, I'll let you know as soon as I hear from Dr. Samuel. Dominic nods slowly, still processing the information. She looks at him as he turns away, and he walks down the hallway and back into Christian's room. Interior, Christian's hospital room, continuous. Dominic returns, stunned, and his eyes fixed to the floor. Christian is embarrassed, and his face looks angry. Now I understand why Cheryl hates you. Christian points to the notebook. Dominic sits in the chair next to the bed. He opens the notebook and allows his eyes to scan the pages. I knew my infidelity was bound to catch up to me one day. But I never knew that I would be dead by 28 and eventually go on to infect others, including Cheryl and her newborn Alicia. Every day that goes by, I think about the pain I caused to so many people. It feels like a nightmare I can't wake up from. Dominic stands up and turns facing the window, sadness in his watery eyes.